This is Sleep Fader, where mindfulness, music, stories, and sound design come together to remix your inner dialogue, bring down the stress levels, and dial in your best sleep. Hi, it's Jeff. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Unless plans change, this installment marks the halfway point for season one of Sleep Fader. It's also the turn of a new year, which offers an opportunity to reflect, renew goals and commitments, or to consider new aspirations. So that's what's top of mind for me as we begin this time in the lounge where, as I wax poetic about this and that, you can take your time to settle into your space, however it's shaped. In many ways, I'm still settling into this space and learning its rhythm. If you've been here with me before, then by now you may have intuited that Sleep Fader is an ongoing exploration for me, too. One that's informed by my experience working in the field of therapeutic audio, but still a recipe of my own making. That's part of the fun, and I try to keep my goals for our time together pretty simple. I use what I know about music, sound, and stories to help you rest. Each episode is a new chance to do just that. You know, millions of people struggle with anxiety and racing mind when trying to fall asleep. And that's what the show is for. I hope you'll subscribe to Sleep Fader on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you love to listen. For now, it's the best way to help keep the show going. And of course, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend or a loved one. And for more info about Sleep Fader, and to offer support or feedback, please visit sleepfader.com. So, reflection, renewing goals, new aspirations. Altogether, these can become a recipe for rumination, which is totally normal and also important to notice. Rumination has a way of starting off innocently enough. For example, thoughts about making new episodes for this show can begin with feelings of inspiration and confidence. And I naturally follow those with examinations of next steps, like coming up with a theme, or a piece of music, or the next movement in the story, that examination can easily lead me to feelings of being overwhelmed, self-doubt, or worry that I won't get it quite right, or that nobody's listening anyway. It's not unusual or weird or anything, but it isn't very helpful. Just noticing when rumination is happening is almost always enough to help me stay grounded and to get on with the good stuff, like writing, making music, or getting a good night's sleep. That noticing, though, like any other skill, it's a good one to practice, and there's no wrong time to do it. It helps to have a focal point, something to return your attention to when you've noticed your mind is wandering around. A common technique is to use your breathing as an anchor, 
and even just the act of taking one deep breath can illustrate this concept. So let's go ahead and do that, in your own time, in whatever way is comfortable for you. And when you do it, take it nice and slow on the way in, until you really feel your chest expand. Hold it for a moment, and then let it out even slower. You can do this two or three times if you like, then return to your natural rhythm. What's interesting, I think, is that by taking even one purposeful breath, we immediately place ourselves in the present. We breathe all of our lives without noticing, but when we actively focus on one breath and how it feels in our body, it becomes our whole focus for that moment. The music playing now is very simple. Like relaxed breathing, the rhythm is steady. Like breathing, it's repetitive. And like the breath, you can use this as a focus, something to return to when your mind wanders. I'll just let this ride for a short while, and as it plays, if you notice yourself thinking about things that have happened or worrying about things that might, return your attention to the rhythm of the music. Take one deep, purposeful breath, and you'll be right back here in the present where we're taking some time to relax and unwind. that we're in a good place to return to the story. If you've started Sleep Fader from the beginning, you might wonder what happens next. If you've just started here, you might wonder where we've already been. And since we're about halfway through this first season, I don't mind telling you, this story isn't driven by a linear plot, and it isn't driven by character motivation or conflict. Drive, ambition, motivation, conflict. We can leave those behind for now, as we take our hands off the wheel for a while, content to let somebody else do the driving. road 
is worn in places, but the ride is smooth. I'm not accustomed to this kind of luxury, but the car is quite comfortable, and I'm not complaining. I'll be here for a while, so I may as well enjoy it. I didn't expect to be traveling again so soon, but that's opportunity for you. It rarely comes knocking on a schedule. My driver, now hidden from me behind a dark and soundproof glass partition, has encouraged me to make the most of the accommodations, which include a nicely stocked bar, a strong Wi-Fi signal, hard to fathom how that's even possible considering where we are right now. Let's see, there's a good-sized screen for movies and TV, and a high-end surround speaker system. And since I'm the only person back here, there's more than enough room to stretch out on the supple leather bench seat. The lighting options back here offer more mood variations than I'm capable of navigating, so I've left the cabin dim, and I'm skipping the entertainment options for now, as the views through the windows are nothing short of breathtaking. Anyway, the audio system has defaulted to some ambient music that complements the view very nicely. The sounds and scenic masterpieces passing by hold no interest, however, for the cabin's only other occupant. A sleek, gray cat, curled up and sleeping on the bench next to the bar. As she showed me to my seat earlier, my driver made it plain. The cat's coming too, she said. Hope you aren't allergic. Her name's Vera. She's a Russian blue. They say blues are hypoallergenic, but I can't say one way or the other. My name's Jade, and I'm from that other coast you've probably heard about. I can't say whether or not I'm hypoallergenic, but I don't think it'll matter to you much anyway, since I'll be up there, and you'll be back here with Vera. I don't drive without Vera. Through round, Lenin-style glasses, Jade regarded me with immutable gray eyes, staring long enough for me to decide that there was something familiar about her, but not long enough for me to place how or why. She settled the matter with a gentle nod, closing me and Vera the Russian Blue into the cabin. Fortunately for everyone involved, I'm not allergic and cats seem to take to me pretty easily. It's usually mutual. I'm leaving Vera to her nap, though. Does any creature sleep more soundly or elegantly than a cat? Who am I to disturb such aristocratic slumber? And so we ride, Vera in a cozy circle of her own making, and me with my spectacular views. Before this unplanned excursion, I'd been enjoying a couple of weeks back home in my sleepy little beach town. The tourists had seen enough ocean and sand for the year, I guess. And so the streets were welcoming to us locals, despite the cooling temperatures. Most mornings, 
I enjoyed a walk down the main drag, and most mornings there was Art, purveyor of paintbrushes and sketchbooks. Art with his gigantic steaming thermos full of coffee, holding court on the sidewalk while some patient listener nodded along, trying to keep up. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. It's not that Art's hard to listen to or that he's got nothing of interest to say. The problem is quite the opposite, really. Art has many things of great importance to discuss, and he shares generously. But you have to be careful. Because a conversation with Art invariably results in a weird sort of time travel. You'll walk away feeling like you've been somewhere, and you'll definitely wonder where your day went. I've been on the receiving end of Art's Homeric lectures on many occasions, including this past Tuesday, but that's a story for another time. Anyway, Art and I have an understanding. If we happen to bump into each other, and it happens often in a small town like ours, we only stop to talk if both of us stop moving. Art always stops but he never holds it against me when I keep walking. cruises low and steady, and from my reclined position, I can't really see or sense the road. Framed overhead by the car's panoramic moonroof, the sky modulates from a pale, cloudless turquoise to an ever-deepening cobalt. If I didn't know better, I'd say Vera and I were gliding high upon a futuristic monorail or even flying above the otherworldly terrain. Outside the window to my right, there's a great, vast canyon. A foregone waterway, run dry for millennia but still flowing, with sweeping curves and yawning hollows that defy earthly familiarity. Embedded in the canyon walls are intersecting rock formations that my eyes have chosen to interpret as colossal bones, 
the imposing architectures of long-gone spirits, or structures no longer in need of heavy scaffolding. To someone else, these protrusions and pockets in their infinite arrangements might be perceived as nothing more than abstract patterns. Another watcher might find faces in the topographical chaos. I suspect Vera the Russian Blue, for example, might see the whole of it as prime hunting ground. Some say that we see what we want to see in art or in nature. I like to think we find what we need to find in these moments of engaged observation and appreciation. I imagine that when we pause long enough to breathe something in, when we allow the peripheral noise to blur and set our engines of purpose to idle while we stare into the trees or up into the clouds or out through a window, that a quiescent talent within us stirs and cleverly threads the ephemeral into the tapestry of our interests, our beliefs, questions, and yes, our fears. Those lasting impressions that color and filter our experiences wherever we go. This talent for connecting outside inputs to the tangled switchboards and patch bays of our innate selves finds and relays what we need to nourish the fluid mechanisms of our inspiration. Associations of this variety may only be passing notions, but sometimes the notions stick. And so we see faces in the trees, dragons in the clouds, or the cast-off bones of some primeval colossus in the canyon walls. I suppose that all sounds a bit metaphysical, but just lately things have been heading in that direction for me. I've begun thinking of myself as an accidental archaeologist of the unknowable. Through no conscious effort of my own, I've become a curator of displaced, supernormal artifacts that feel connected to each other and to me 
in ways I still can't fully understand. Odd notions found on the beach, on restaurant tables, in puddles of rain on the street. I followed the faintest traces of clues to an arcane shop deep in the city, where I delivered my collected marvels into the care of a silent, beyond elderly guardian, who, for all his benevolence and charm, is still one hell of an unusual character. Still, somehow, through all this blind momentum, I've also found comfort and ease through the discovery, caretaking, and eventual handoff. I have to admit, these recent brushes with the numinous please me. They play to my natural inclinations to make things up as I go along. Which brings me back to riding here in this very well-appointed car. Still cruising, low and steady, under a sky that's now drifted into black and filled with dazzling constellations. Vera, the Russian blue, has abandoned her spot by the bar in favor of my lap, where she's curled herself up, once again dozing deeply in the entitled, endearing way of cats. She's unconcerned, with bones in the canyon walls, the serendipitous happenings in my life, or our eventual destination. For her, there's only my lap, the purr of the engine, the incorruptible motion of the car, here and now. As to our eventual destination, my understanding is that it may take some time to get there. And I can't tell you exactly where I'm headed because, well, I don't know. I only know that I've been invited, however obliquely. The details of my invitation and whatever unfolds when we arrive, we'll have to wait for now. Vera's drowsiness seems to be catching, and I've caught myself dozing off as the darksome landscape outside is progressively swallowed by shadow. A soft pillow has been provided, left on the seat, just in case, presumably by Jade. I've propped it against the window, nestled my head into it. My eyes are heavy, my breathing slow. The car cruises, ever forward, low, and steady. A purring vibration felt through the floor. 
and through the plush cushion, supporting my body, and accompanied by a gentle purring on my legs. Vera's fur is smooth and velvet. I rest a hand on her side, following her even breathing, up and down, low and steady. Together, we surrender to the hypnotic momentum of the road. <laughs> 